1: Allen back to pass, surveying the field. Fires to the end zone to Davis. Did he get both feet down? Touchdown, Buffalo! A 23-yard missile launch by Allen to Davis.
2: Chris Brown's call from Sunday's win over the Miami Dolphins in the wild card round. On to the divisional round. Jeremy White, Jody DiBiase with you here on a Wednesday. We are joined now by Odyssey NFL insider Brian Baldinger, host of the Odyssey original podcast In the Huddle with Jason LaConfora and Carl Dukes covering the entire NFL. And uh, happy to get up for a preview for this Bills-Bengals game. Brian, good morning.
3: Good morning, guys. Good to be with you. Thanks.
2: Well... What do you think? Matchup clash of the Titans, Bills, Bengals? I mean, there's a lot to get to, of course. The the quarterbacks are the big story, right? They're the other guys that their names are on the marquee, their their faces are on the movie poster. So how uh, how eager are you to see their first matchup in a full game as uh, the previous Monday nighter of course? Oh, man. I mean this
3: is uh this is a dream. You know, as an analyst, when you get the quarterback ability of both Josh and you know, Joe, I mean, you just want to get out of the way. Let those guys go compete. And um, I think that's what we're going to get. Uh, you know, obviously, there's so many different factors that are going to play into it. Um, but, yes, those two guys are at the top of the marquee, and the game will be centered around those two players. But how you protect them, how they take care of the ball, uh, how you do all the other things are going to be just as important.
2: One of the things about Burrow, Brian, is you know he's always as he showed up, he was good. I think people pretty much knew he was good right away. He used to take a lot of bad sacks, and they wanted to overhaul that offensive line. But it seems like a lot of what's happened with him avoiding sacks has been something that he's gotten better at.
3: Well, he doesn't hold the ball as long. They're not they don't go into as many empty sets as they did, you know, when he was at LSU when he did his first two years. But I mean, their offensive line is crumbling right in front of us. You know, to lose a guy like Jonah Williams. It's a big loss. Jackson Carmen replaced him the other day. He was fine, but you know he's never played tackle before. That's a big, it's a big opportunity out there. They got a backup right guard. He got a backup right tackle right now. Um, You know he took some shots. He took some sacks the other day. It's a factor right now because you can only throw so many go routes to you know Jamar Chase and T Higgins. I mean sometimes you got to hold the ball, and wait for guys to get open, decide for the defense, and so it's it's going to be a factor in this game.
2: You know, it's funny you mentioned all those go-routes. It became a big talking point about the Bills this past week after playing that way against Miami. Is that something you see Cincinnati do a lot? And do you think they do it maybe too much, or is it just their bread and butter to, show, to throw those go-routes?
3: I don't know. I've never seen a team throw as many go-routes as Buffalo did, starting <laughs> on the first play of the game, just to mean, I, I mean, that's that's a style of play that they certainly can play. they got the guys that can get down the field. I don't know if that's playoff football, though. I mean, it leads to mistakes. It leads to interceptions. The Javon Holland interception uh, comes to mind. But uh, if that's how they decide to play, if they think they can get you know matched up, and you know if Cincinnati wants to play zero coverage the way Miami did it at times last week, you're going to do it. But I don't think Cincinnati's going to play that style. So I, I think they like to keep their safeties back. Um, I think you know more throws will be in front of them than it was a year uh, last weekend.
2: Brian, one thing we wondered about all those go routes was: was Miami happy to bait the Bills into those? Do you think that might have been the case that they were taking their chances in that way?
3: Uh, I, you know, I don't know. It's a good question. I'm not sure. You know, when I watched it, it just seemed like you know Josh was just in attack mode, and you know they jumped out to an early lead, and you know that was part of it. And so I think you know they kind of stayed with that. Um, it seems like whenever there is a mistake, there is a turnover. A fumble, whatever, they get back to the run game. That's how they kind of reset, and they're pretty good at it. So I don't know if we'll see more balance. If we'll see, uh, you know, Cincinnati is certainly a much better, uh, much different defense than Miami. Miami is very opportunistic. They got a lot of great young players on that side of the ball, and they all showed up. But Cincinnati plays a little different style. They play a little bit more zone than what we saw the other day. So that might, you know, that might change the approach a little bit.
1: And I guess this game script will affect this as well, Brian. Watching the Bengals in the last couple of games, the Bills, I mean, the way Allen plays with these go-routes like we're talking about, he kind of almost seems like he wants to play in a shootout type of game. How able do you think the Bengals are right now to play that way, scoring big, given that I know it's been against Baltimore two weeks in a row, who's an elite defense, but they've been, they haven't put up you know 40 in, in a few weeks.
3: Oh. Yeah. Um, look, sometimes these games just take on a life of their own. And it just becomes a track meet. And then you've got to keep up, just like the way we saw Buffalo and Kansas City a year ago. And so it can get like that. Um, it's, not, it's not really what Cincinnati wants to do. But, I mean, if they're down 14 nothing the way Miami was the other day, I mean, I can see Joe Burrow going, okay, here we go. Let's uh, it's, it's go time. And, you know, I mean, like I said, you know, Jamar and T are as good as anybody in this whole league. At, uh, you know, just being able to run the go route and catch the go route, you know, whether it's using their body, how strong their hands are, how they are able to elevate and hang in the air. I mean, all those factors that can help win a a contested ball down the sidelines. I mean, they're as good as any duo in the league.
2: Speaking with Brian Baldinger on the Western Hotline, Odyssey NFL insider Brian Baldinger. The, the Cincinnati defense, you know, as the Bills go, their offense goes, that's generally how they go. And they can put up points. What does Cincinnati do on defense that will challenge the Bills? You mentioned a lot of zone. The pass rush, they've got a couple of good good edges, but is it a pass rush to be feared at the top of the league, or, or where do you rank them?
3: Mm, they're pretty good. I mean, Trey Henderson had a down year because he was injured, but he's a really good player. Him, Hubbard. Uh, this Joseph Asai, who's a young player, didn't play last year, was on injured reserve, number 58, is a good pass rusher. And then inside, you know, D.J. Reader is a handful. I don't care who's blocking him. The guy is a handful inside. Uh, you know, Ryan Bates, uh, you know, these guys are going to have their hands full with the way that he can push a pocket. Uh, and along with B.J. Hill, I mean, they, they got a good pass rush. I mean, there's no question about it. I think their weakness is they're not great at corner. And so they try to hide their corners a little bit, whether Eli Apple is out there right now. Um, you know, they've had some injuries to that position. Uh, Mike Hilton is a really good slot defender, uh, just the way Buffalo's, you know, Teron Johnson is. They're very, very similar type players. Good tacklers, good blitzers. Uh, but I do think there's a weakness at corner. That's why they, they play a lot of zone to try to protect those guys.
1: The offensive line for the Bengals being as banged up as it is. I mean, we've been talking a lot about – the pass rush and, like, pressure rates with and without Von Miller. Um, they're trying to manufacture it a lot, Brian, and I don't know, this would feel like a game where, despite the fact that they have struggled because of all those injuries for Cincinnati, it almost reminds me of what they were last year in the playoffs. Um, what do you see from the Bills' pass rush and how important it will be to get to Burrow in this game?
3: Well, look, they drafted Gregory Rousseau and Boogie Basham last year in the you know first and second round to upgrade the pass rush. And just talking to Von Miller... Um, this summer, you know, about those guys. Uh, and, and A.J. Epinesa as, as, as well. Um, and just talking to Vaughn, he wasn't really too concerned about pass rush moves or one, winning one-on-ones. He was really trying to teach them what the moment is like and when to take the moment, when when the game is in the balance, when you got to step up and deliver. Like, those are the kind of things that Vaughn has worked with these guys in. And what we're talking about, is divisional championship football. Like, okay, it's great if you get sack numbers and you got a, a go-to move. It's more important to understand the moment and getting to Joe Burrow when it's third and, and sixth and you got to get off the field. And so that's what these guys have been instructed. It's what they have been learning from Vaughn. Now it's time to see if it can pay off.
2: How about the other matchups? Kansas City, Jacksonville, will step around the league a little bit. The Jags, uh, an upstart team, young. They looked like they were getting crushed, and they, they rallied back. Doug Peterson's done a nice job. What kind of chance, and what do you like for the matchup for Jacksonville and Kansas City?
3: Well, I mean, they played in Week 10, and Kansas City kind of had their way with them that day. Uh, the score was a little closer at the end than it really was. Uh, but Kent, but Jacksonville's a completely different team right now. I mean, you, you're you down 27 nothing and you can come back and win if you can go to overtime and beat the Cowboys. I mean, they've been tested uh, in the last five weeks, and they've answered every test. And so they're a, a formidable foe. They've got real serious pass options, whether it's Evan Ingram or Zay Jones. Uh, they got a home run hitter in Travis Etienne. The offense line is very good. Uh, you know, it's just a question of how you defend Patrick Mahomes. And they're a good defense. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is just, you know, he's the best player in the league, I think. Uh, it's not to slight Josh Allen or anybody else. I mean, he just he just keeps getting there, and they just keep winning their division and being the number one seed, and, and stuff just goes through Kansas City, and so and that's because of Mahomes. And so you never know when you play Kansas City what new plays they have. Like nobody has more new plays than Kansas City, and it seems like a lot of them work. But Jacksonville will be a there'll be a good test for Kansas City this weekend.
1: Right, like which child's game they're going to incorporate into uh, a play this week. They might play Duck, Duck, Goose before they run a play against Jackson. They could. Um, NFC, the Niners look unstoppable, Brian. I mean, they are – a lot of these teams, we're talking about the Chiefs, and they've played close games. It took Houston – it took them overtime to beat the Texans. The Bills have played close games, did it against Miami, Cincinnati. Uh, The Niners, meanwhile, are just over here blowing everybody out. So – I don't know, Like, is it, is it easy to see right now that they're playing the the best football at this point in the season?
3: You can. You can say that. But, I mean, it's a 17-14 game, you know, last week in the third quarter. It's, you know, it's a 23-17 game, and Geno Smith is driving the Seahawks right down the field, and Charles Amedo gets the ball out of Geno's hands, and Nick Bosa recovers, and the blowout, you know, came on. But, I mean, it didn't really happen until the fourth quarter. Uh, Seattle played very well for almost three quarters of that game. They executed very well, and that's what Dallas has to do. They're capable of doing it. Uh, they protected Dak Prescott very, very well on Monday night, and that was the reason why they blew the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers out. Can they do that against Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead and Charles Amenahu? I mean, that's that's the challenge. But, yes, they're a very good team. They put up points right now. The quarterback is playing very, very well. But, you know, you got to affect the quarterback in the postseason. And so just how does Dallas do it? Is it Micah Parsons? Is it – you know certain blitzes is it Donovan Wilson coming off the edge, you know getting to Brock Purdy. You have got to affect the quarterback, and that's the challenge I think for Dallas this weekend.
2: Brian Baldinger, last one, Brian. Uh, as we kind of gear up for an off season with Tom Brady waiting to decide what he's going to do, do you think there's enough left there for a team to want to bring him in as a short term idea?
3: Well, I think there's. I, I think it just takes one team. I think there'll be a team that will be interested. I, I mean, I, it's not something I would do. It's going to be 46 years old in August next year. You look at the quarterbacks in the final eight right now, whether it's Josh or Joe or Patrick or, you know, Jalen Hurts, I mean, D- Daniel Jones. I mean, they're all young. It's a young man's game. And, yes, I think Tom Brady can still throw a football. He was horrible against the Cowboys. Um, he would admittedly say so. He was horrible against Cincinnati this year. I mean, he's had some bad games that are un- unlike. And is that just what you're going to get? Are you Are going to get more of those type of outings with Tom Brady, but yes, I do believe he can still play. I do believe somebody will offer him a contract, and if he wants to play, he's going to have that opportunity to keep playing.
1: What about with Lamar Jackson? Would you assume at this point that he is not going to play another snap for the Ravens given how the fact that he doesn't have a contract and I mean not flying with the team, um what do you see there?
3: I think a separation is in uh, is in order. Um you know, he's very young still. Uh His style is his style, but I could see somebody being very interested in Lamar, but I don't believe he'll be playing with the Baltimore Ravens next year. I think what he did, uh, for whatever reasons, and I haven't heard from Lamar, and haven't heard him talk about anything, but uh, for not to be with your team in a playoff game where you could help Tyler Huntley or, you know, if Anthony Brown had to go in the game, you could be of assistance and help out in that situation. I, I uh, I think the court has been cut in Baltimore.
2: Brian Baldinger on the Western Hotline. Brian, enjoy the games this week, and thanks for the visit. Uh, pleasure, guys. You bet. Do the same. That was Brian Baldinger, Odyssey insider, Odyssey NFL insider. Make sure to follow In the Huddle on the Odyssey app or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. He does In the Huddle with Jason Lockenfora and Carl Dukes. For um, Baltimore, put the stat up on the screen a minute ago in Sports Center, mm. and I, I didn't double-check it. I just wanted to check, all right, some of the other quarterbacks for this stat. And I know – QB wins. Quarterbacks don't win games. Mm -hmm. But we do count, and we do, you know, you zoom out and say... It gets mentioned. Sure, especially when there's a with or without you kind of rating. Like, how's Baltimore with Lamar? How have they been without Lamar? He has won an MVP. He is one of the more important players to his team in the NFL. His record, win-loss record since going to the Baltimore Ravens, he is 45-16. and (laughs) <laughs> as a starter he's 30 games above 500 that's insane that is nuts yeah 45 and 16 that is a 750 just under 750 win percentage uh-huh by comparison josh allen i'm not trying to make a conversation about how josh allen is better it's just to illustrate how many games baltimore has won right bills fans are supremely happy with josh allen he's 52 and 24 that's twenty twenty-eight 28 games over 500 like Very similar. Very similar. Allen, his win percentage would be lower than Lamar's as the starter. And Allen's had the benefit of a
1: good to great defense for most of his time. Mm-hmm. So, this is why you just don't, you don't mess around with quarterback contracts. The guy has a year, the year he did, you just pay him. What, whatever it takes. If If it's $8 million more per year than you wanted to pay, whatever. Get over it and pay him. If it's you know, twenty million dollars more in guarantees than you want to get get over it and pay him. Because the downside is now this happens. You played around, and now you're entering an off season where he's unhappy, or seemingly might be unhappy, might not play for you again, and now you're starting over. Well, in the history of guys moving on and being pushed out, you better have a backup
2: plan. Right? I think about Yep. Breeze leaving San Diego and they had drafted
1: Rivers. They had Rivers already there. Yep, yeah. he was already there. I'm thinking about when I mean like this hasn't happened yet but the but the Packers drafted Jordan Love. Yep. So they have a first round pick that's waiting there in the wings. When the
2: Colts pushed out Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck was going to be there. They knew that, right? Peyton missed a whole year with injury. They're going to pick first. Right. They're going to have Andrew When Ruck.
1: When they cut Manning, that's right. I, I I always think of he was gone before that, but they played that year and he was on the shelf. So yes. they, they, when they cut him, they knew they had the first pick. That's
2: right. You better have yeah. a plan in place. And sometimes you have a plan in place. Like you mentioned Jordan Love and Rodgers stays longer. Sometimes your plan is Trey Lance and Garoppolo lasts a year longer. But if you're Baltimore, they cannot go to Lamar being on another team and not Already having an idea of what right. they're going to do. You can't go to Tyler Huntley. No, and they can't. What are they going to do? Go to Derek Carr? I, I they're going to have to rebuild an entire offense because that offense is so reliant on Lamar in the running game and J.K. Dobbins and what they do. That if you're a quarterback, would you want to sign with their skill those, their skill oh, players? No. I mean, Mark no Andrews. No Mark way. Andrews is great. There's no doubt about that. But, but re- that's it. That receiver, you would want assurances they're going to
1: pursue one or two or three. Yeah, they, they just started in a playoff game. Sammy Watkins and Demarcus Robinson. Those were their starting wide receivers, and Greg Roman is still the offensive coordinator. He's not been fired to this point, so it might be the least quarterback-friendly offense right now in the league, or at least it's one of them, I think, with their receiving core and the coordinator, as long as he's in that position. Their plan B is probably just whatever they can get back for Jackson, right? Like yeah. They just have to hope that whatever they get back, they can... They can spin that I mean, are they gonna, in, into something else. If they
2: do that, like, let's look at a Russell Wilson trade. That included Drew Locke going back the other way. Sure. And then Seattle ultimately gives the job to Geno Smith. If you're going to trade Lamar, let's list the teams. Are you getting Tua in return? Are you getting Mike White? Are you getting Mac Jones? Trey Lance?
4: So not
1: that he's going to be traded to San Francisco, but like, who right. do you get back in a trade? Well, some of these are more promising than others, I guess. But, like... Right, like do you would you take one fewer first round pick from Miami if they were willing to give you Tua? Would you take if if San Francisco was in play, would you be willing to do one fewer first round pick if they threw Lanson? Would you do that with I someone had this idea, it might have been coward, that, who says no? Bears right now, fields for Lamar Jackson. Just like can they swing that? Can they find a quarterback out there that Rates far above what Tyler Huntley d- does in terms of, okay, this could become something. Or already is something that is below Jackson, but we can see it keeping us in a, in a window. In a winning yep. window. Because that's what they're in right now.
2: Or instead of the franchise tag and two first-rounders, do you just go for specific teams? Indianapolis wants a quarterback. Do they want to draft one? Right, do you target do they, teams that have top five picks? Or do they want to just take Lamar Jackson? Like the the drafting yeah. the drafting of a quarterback builds in tremendous value. Atlanta drafts eighth. Atlanta.
1: Houston, Houston drafts second. Yeah, I just I don't know that they can control it anymore though, right? Like and at, if, at, they've gone. This is why you just pay him right away. They have taken this so far that Jackson every day that passes he has more leverage because every day that passes he is a day closer to unrestricted free agency and. If they were to franchise tag him this season, and assuming he would play on it, if he would, it's forty five million dollars. You can do that this year. Mm-hmm. Believe I've read this right, it's seventy two million dollars <laughs> if they were to do it next year. You got a one year window here where you can keep control of him. And if he tells you, I'm not signing this off season, like now your control to me is gone and you like it doesn't matter anymore that you don't have a plan B because you can't You can't even flirt with the idea of losing him for nothing or for depleted assets because now you don't have the leverage anymore. Quick on this. Mike in a car. Mike, good morning.
4: Hey, guys. um, What people aren't thinking about or talking about much is how bad this knee injury is. I mean, he didn't travel with the team because his knee is so bad. I know somebody on the medical staff down there, and he needs help getting up and down stairs. We saw what happened to RG3 who went from a extremely dynamic quarterback to one knee injury to being able to, to being basically useless because he couldn't use his legs anymore. And are you, if you're going to be, if you're in Baltimore, are you spending that kind of money to sign this guy up to a long-term deal when he might be shot? We don't know that. I mean, that's a real, real concern that they have to have. I mean, think about it. If he's, he was hurt so bad. He's hurt so bad that he didn't travel with the team to a playoff game to stand on the sideline and help his quarterback Huntley uh, during the game, going through videos, all the things that a backup or a, that, a, that a, a starting quarterback does when he's injured. He couldn't even go to the game.
2: There's, yeah, there's been one report that he was sick. He said he was told not to go. He was, you know, they said don't go. Yeah. Beyond that. I, the here's here's part of what you said Mike is what I do want to get to we only know so much about what's going on there have been some suggesting he just doesn't want to play for them yep. and if it were a team that committed to him he would have played
1: on a bum knee right if he had if they had signed him to the Deshaun Watson contract last and offseason if he's got all
2: his money guaranteed then sure I'll put my body on the line for anything I'll go out there but right now I, my
1: future rests on getting better that has to be my my first priority and it's a knee it's a knee sprain Like, whatever is happening, swelling-wise, he said the knee is unstable. Whatever that injury is, he's now got nine months. Like, if it was a torn ACL, even that, I would still, like, I would listen to it. But the way that injuries now are dealt with in the NFL, I don't have any, I mean, it's something to keep track of, but knee sprain, I'm not thinking that. Deters his entire career from this point on. Well, with the, nine months now to recover. And the
2: other part of this is kind of is to your lesson of like what or your your point of the lesson you learn. You're Baltimore right now. You might think privately, and you can't say it. The, the Ravens might think you can play.
4: Yeah.
2: You, if you really, really wanted to put everything on the line, you could play. And his response to that might be, "That's right, but you haven't put everything on the line for me, right? So why would I do it for you?" And that's not. I'm not calling Lamar any sort of quitter. That's a, I don't have assurances from you. I shouldn't put my body you in the line. You have
1: not committed to me. Right.
2: Yep. Uh, my career could end like RG3's career if I re-aggravate this, if it leads to a problem. And without any assurances, I can't put my body in line for you. How is that any different next year? Next right. year, he's on a franchise tag. Right. He gets $45 million. That's all well and good. We get to a same, the same scenario. He has an injury. Should he play through it? There are a lot of people that want to tell you, yes, you should play through that. Just like all these kids, should, you should definitely play in that bowl game. Yeah. I should? Because if I don't get hurt, I've got $30 million waiting. And you, the school, you know, I appreciate everything. I love my teammates. But you don't give me any guarantees. You don't give me any assurances. And if I have to think about my livelihood, my career, my body, my yep. why do it if I don't have guarantees from you? So if anybody wants the dog... Lamar, for not playing for them, I think you have a small point. I think he has a pretty big one. You didn't commit to me either. I shouldn't commit to you.
1: Eight oh three oh five fifty. Who should be the favorite to be their starting quarterback next year? Huntley. <laughs> Actually, how I, the, do they end up there? The, the
2: favorite should be Lamar. That's my answer. I mean, how many years did we go through Russell Wilson's going to – he wants a new yeah. deal, he's going to go play baseball, and then he's just back. These quarterback dramas. Oh, where's Garoppolo going to go? Press, Prescott is good for this, every right? Every single time there's a quarterback yeah. drama, just about every time, nothing happens. But Receivers
1: get moved. True. Quarterbacks, it never happens. But this one, I don't I don't know that you can fully compare this to the others just because those other situations are more normal with just, you know, player agent to team relationships, how the process typically works. I wonder because Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent. You really are just going at the whims of right. what he is feeling in that moment. Yeah. And you know, like an agent sometimes I I'm sure this happens behind closed doors. Maybe this happened with Russell Wilson, maybe this happened with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers of Okay, let's put a motion to the side for a second. Like I know you're you're upset at them that this is there's no relationship right now between you and the organization, but this we can get this done. Like we can meet in the middle on this. Like I, an agent being the middleman on that, I think can be a big difference that can sometimes hurt the player. I think, but because Jackson doesn't have one here, if he has it in his head right now that this team is not committed to me, I'm done. I want to move on to somewhere else where someone is going to. Pay me what I'm worth and not mess around with it. If he's already got that in his head, he might not have somebody else to tell him different. Yeah. For the rest of this. Which means they might not have an opportunity to resolve whatever might be going on behind the scenes. Because there is no middleman. Eight oh three oh five fifty. Thanks, Mike, for the phone call. Uh,
2: We'll get a break in. When we get back, I've got a couple of ideas. Not mine. People are throwing out ideas on how to improve the Manning cast. Do these changes, potential changes need to come. I love talking about the Manning cast. It's my favorite sports television presentation (laughs) of a game that we've got. So we'll go through a couple of those and uh, continue to get you ready for Bill's Bengals and the Extra Point Show, which is on the way at 10 with Sean McDermott's press conference a little earlier today, 11 a.m. for that. We'll carry it live.
4: Coming out of halftime, all those halftime adjustments it really paid off right there. That I don't know about you, I don't think i ever made a halftime adjustment in my entire 18-year career. I think that's the biggest myth in football, the halftime adjustments, right? You go in, yeah, you, eat, you use the restroom, you eat a couple of oranges, and then the head coach says, all right, let's go.
2: Yeah, no question. I mean, you're in there for like
4: three minutes. <laughs> yeah, so. There's no time.
2: So Peyton Manning said that on the Manning cast this week, during the Tampa Dallas playoff game, and a couple of NFL players pushed back, like "Really, you didn't? We did." Mm-hmm. And Kurt Warner was one of them. I think what Manning's larger point is: it's not like we just make halftime adjustments. The game is constantly being adjusted. Do this. What can we do? Let's. He's just kind of saying that at halftime they didn't, but uh, Kurt Warner and many others did did say, like, "Oh, we we had
1: some." So. There you go. Now there's a great debate. Ellen, Ellen did say on the Kyle Brandt uh, podcast yesterday that Dorsey, or whoever the offensive coordinator is, gets in the room with, like, two minutes to go before they have to go. So he, he kind of – yeah, he didn't fully say we don't do anything, but it was more of they'll come in and they'll be like, hey, reminder, we keep, let's keep doing this, this, and this. We're yeah. going to focus a little bit more on this. Like, it's it's more – like reinforcement of things that have been installed before the game than anything. Yeah. So it, I guess it depends what you mean by what what you think halftime adjustments are. Like they're not, hey, we're gonna we're gonna do this whole brand new thing and we're gonna we're gonna teach it to you right here. Like during halftime. It's just more, I think, again, reinforcement of things that they've already they already know. Year two of the Manning Cast wraps. we're
2: headed to year three. There's a piece up I found Dimitri Revanos wrote about making it better, like refreshing it, and talk to program directors, people that are in charge of radio stations and television stations, um, and asked, you know, what would you make different about it? As a programmer, how would you freshen this up? Mm-hmm. Give you some of the suggestions here. Um, you don't want to make it too gimmicky, but how about micing a player up similar to what they do on Sunday night baseball? They obviously can't mm-hmm. speak with a player between the lines, so what about someone who's in the mix and actually playing like a linebacker in the defense after they come off the field?
1: After they come off the field, not like while they're playing.
2: Right, right. Yeah. Like okay. you, you get in the wide receivers, hey, let's check in with Gabe Davis here you uh-huh. know, and talk to him on the field. You know, the biggest problem with that is they don't do that for regular football. That never happens in football. Right. Has Have you ever heard a live, mic'd up interview during a football game? I've no, seen it on like the, the Pro Bowl. But. The Pro Bowl. I've seen it in hockey. I've yep. seen it in baseball. I've never seen a mic'd up NFL player interviewed by the broadcast. They're not doing that for Buck and Aikman. Yeah. Never mind for. And even sideline interviews during game for, for football coaches are some of the toughest ones, the most worthless ones. Baseball,
1: you can talk to a manager while his team is at bat, and they will do that. Right. Because what else do you down, do? There's tons of downtime in baseball. Yeah. Football, is it? Is that because, like, you mentioned Gabe Davis. Like, all right, we're going to have Gabe Davis on. And, oh, get Dorsey's calling down. He wants to tell, he wants to talk to Gabe Davis about some route that he ran on the play before. And, okay, well, we're going to do this on the next drive. Like, I wonder if that's just because is there just so much more coaching that's going on on the sidelines during games than there is in other sports? Like, hockey, a lot of times, like, you'll see players with iPads even and, like, have those little conversations with Granado here and there. But otherwise... They're just kind of sitting on the bench watching the game, just waiting for their next turn. Football, it, I feel like it's a lot more of, okay, we got the iPad out, we're watching every playback from the drive before, Allen's looking at coverages that he saw, he's talking with coaches, he's on the phone with Dorsey, quarterback coach. I feel like the coaching element of it and like how much might go on while they're not on the field might kind of prevent that from ever happening. Yeah. Unless you want to do it with a player that just never plays. <laughs> right. Like, hey, which- we're going to bring in... Uh, Who's a Bill that would never but, play. But in which Greg is, Van Roten's going to be on the show. What's the value? Right. Right.
2: More suggestions. Uh, another one. To me, the biggest miss is not having Eli and Peyton in the same place. The sloppiness, like a Zoom call. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need to do that anymore. They should be in the same place, especially if they're only doing 10 games. And I think that's a fair point. Yeah, I like that one. I don't know if they're willing to do that, how far apart they live generally, but that's a fair point. Um, Another one. Having big-name guests from the NFL, the sports world, and pop culture make for a great promotion piece, but at the end of the day, it's distracting and pulls away from the game. I want to connect with Peyton and Eli. That's what the brand is built around. Give me more of them. The suggestion is fewer guests. I would support that. Sometimes I feel like yeah. they get away from them. Yeah. And, you know, there are great guests that I welcome, and sometimes I think I don't, I don't need those guests.
1: Because they're also not the greatest... Not the greatest interviewers Well, sometimes ever. it feels forced. It, it very much forced. Like, like, there, there was a question Deion Sanders got on Monday night where I don't remember what the question was, but I feel like Peyton asked him a question. He's like, well, let's see what's going on in this game first. Like, Deion had to yeah. like be like, something big just happened. Like Maybe we should hit, a, hit the pause button on it.
2: And there's a moment where Eli looks down and is reading a question off a card, which is fine, but that's not exactly conversational. I mean, Deion was a great guest. And I would, right. sign up, I would sign up for a full half of Dion before, all right, he's got to go, and now we get to bring on a country star to watch this game.
1: Well, that's kind of what the the shop version of um, this has kind of been for Amazon on the Thursday Night Football Broadcast. They only did it a couple of times. Um, LeBron James is the shop that HBO does. That was just like they had Odell Beckham on. They had, they had like, a famous chef on. They had a bunch of guests. But that is just everyone's in the same room, and they're all just kind of hanging out. Like that that to me is what you might want a little bit more of from the Manning cast is everyone's just kind of in the room hanging out and it's much more natural. And I think you get a lot of those moments in the Manning cast, but it could be it could be more. I think this is a good point of Peyton and Eli being in the same room, I think, could do it a little bit, but just less of the of the guest and like the the forced interview questions rather than just like let things come up naturally, you know. I feel like being in the same room might help that in, in a big way. Because, again, that's what the shop has done at Amazon, and it, it it worked. Extendo
2: Sports on the way. Then the Extra Point Show. Jeremy White, Jody Biase on WGR.
1: We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's over here. Only at T Mobile get
2: four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5
1: more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.
3: Breaking sports news airs first here. Guaranteed. WGR Sports Radio 550. 2020 Sports.
4: Extendo
3: Sports. All right, a couple things to
2: get to before the show is out. Philadelphia last night, the Flyers, they've won some games lately, by the way, Flyers. A little bit. A little bit better. Um, so last night in Philadelphia, it's their seventh annual Pride Night. Before the game, the team wore warm-up jerseys, rainbow logos, wrapped their, stink, their sticks in ran- rainbow tape, jerseys and sticks. Uh, the team announced we're supposed to be auctioned off for charity. There's also a pregame skate for local LGBTQ youth flyers gave complimentary tickets to nine lgbtq organizations ivan Provorov, defenseman of the flyers declined to warm up before the game because he didn't want to wear the jersey he did not warm up he did play in the game john tortorella said i think the organization has sent our release regarding the organization the beliefs that we have this has to do with his belief and his religion and it's one thing i respect about Provi. he's always true to himself Provorov's comment was, I respect everyone, I respect everybody's decisions, my choices stay true to myself and my religion. End quote. He did play an article at Defector.com I'm reading is suggesting why didn't Torporov just bench him? You're not going to warm up, you're not going to play. Yep. Um, Just... This might be obvious. You can't say I respect everybody and I respect everybody's choices and then... Openly don't respect everybody. That's it, right? Like that's that very clearly. You don't
1: disrespect an entire group of people. Yeah, you just flat out don't respect them. So, um, you know, there's something to be said for whatever. You essentially told them in that moment you don't believe they belong in hockey, yeah. which is the whole point. Right. The whole point of the night is inclusive inclusivity and to do the opposite of that.
2: Yeah, the NHL's "You Can Play" initiative, all that stuff, and you know. Hey, I respect everybody. You don't. Just say you don't. Right. All right. Other things. Uh, Sean McDermott today, 11 o'clock.
1: Yep. Weird for a Wednesday that he would be talking at 11 o'clock, but it just could be. I don't know. This is doing this a little bit different uh, week. Must be installing all these new offensive and defensive systems
2: mm-hmm. for the Bengals game.
1: Also, uh, see, Von Miller in an interview with Matty Glab at the Bills did. Uh, his most famous contacts in his phone. Yeah, I definitely have to watch this because
2: Maddie asked him forty questions, and the highlights they picked are good. Yes. he talks about one thing, and then he's they just cut to him saying, "I just can't believe we're the only intelligent life on Earth." And I'm thinking, this is this is the good stuff. Vaughn, yes, he's, he, he just talk about anything. Yes, so he's on. He, they got him on aliens, on
1: Lionel Messi being in his phone. Yep, favorite ice cream. Yeah, one bunch of that different stuff. Drake was in his phone. Most famous contact in your phone is. Thurman? Thurman? <laughs> I might have you beat Michael Irvin.
2: Michael Irvin, okay. Who was
1: on in the Bulldog a few times back in the day. So, Can I say back in the day if it was two years ago? Yeah. Michael Irvin, I think, is probably my most famous Is he contact. more
2: famous than Thurman? Yeah. Just the cow, yeah. just the- yeah, and listen, right? Thurman's listening. Cowboys. You said it. I did. No,
1: like no, no offense to Thurman. It's ca- Here, it's, it's no. cowboys, and he's it's cowboys, and he's still on television. I was gonna say like him. He's still he's on NFL Network. He's probably on first take right now. Yeah, like I, I think yeah. That's I don't think, that's not an insult. Michael Irvin's pretty famous. He was in longest. He was in a movie, right? He was in uh the longest yard remake with Adam Sandler, like as a main character. Michael Irvin, yeah. Hold
2: on, I'm, I'm at imdb.com to see if Thurman had a cameo in any movies. Does he? Does he have
1: a? He's got to have a page, right? He was in a football life, like like the NFL Network documentary. Yeah, yeah. They count that. I mean, IMDb has it listed. Okay. Um, I'm on his page now too. They list Monday Night Football. Yeah. He, <laughs> it, it, I like he he played himself on Monday Night, he Night Football. He played himself on Monday
2: Night Football. That's pretty good. All right. Uh, That's it for us. We're kicking things over to the Extra Point Show. Joe will be here with Sal from One Bill's Drive covering today's events as uh, we gear up for Bill's Bengals. And it will be interesting. I'm sure they'll be asked about, you know, do you think you'll expect to feel anything seeing that team? And it's not the usual rivalry. We hate each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, Dawkins did say that in his Players' Tribune piece. These two teams are, you know, they're not going to like each other. But, of course, the DeMar Hamlin event, they went through that together, and they're about to play for the second time, but really for the first time. Uh, so we'll see what everybody has to say about that coming up later today. Back tomorrow. Tomorrow we've got um, a bunch of stuff coming your way. Chris Trapasso will join us tomorrow, talk a little bit about Josh and the offense, Sal checks in, of course, all the good stuff. Talk then here on WGR. <sighs>